Okay, <clears throat> moving on. Okay, serious face? Yes, let's do an actual Frithcast. Alrighty, let's do that. Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Welcome to episode 62. 62? Of Frithcast. Six and two, 62. Sorry, I've just been a bingo caller. You do that. They're very disappointing these days. Yeah, they don't do all the slang anymore. No, no. I went to I I went with with some people to a bingo game like years and years ago, and even then they weren't doing all the two You've little. Got to do the slang. They weren't thing. doing the two little ducks and stuff like that. They weren't having it. The additional cryptography is what makes it bloody hard. Yeah, who'd have thought? Hey ho. Anyway, here we are. This we is are episode sixty-two. Lovely listeners. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Lovely as ever. shuffle in if you're not quite sure where the coffee is it's probably on the edge of the fire warming through grab a mug grab some marshmallows if kate hasn't eaten them already i have been preserving them carefully yes inside you and i know no Uh i mean i have hidden them inside you no not yet We could make s'mores. We could. Marshmallow on a stick. I learned about s'mores. Mm. They're not a very British thing. S'mores? Mm. No, they're not marshmallow on a stick. No. Marshmallow on a stick. No. And then between two rich tea biscuits yeah. is a very British thing because I remember learning that in brown. That's more or less a s'more. <laughs> yeah. Apart from instead of rich tea biscuits, you have, is it graham crackers? Are they called? This thing called a graham cracker. Yeah. Yes. I think that's what you do, isn't it? But it, it so, sounds like it's basically yeah, the same thing I then as the rich tea biscuit. Yeah. I, did, I never tried a rich tea... Uh, I've tried rich tea biscuits, obviously. <sighs> I'm British, but... <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, it's a girl. Have a rich tea biscuit. <laughs> you went into a shop. Champagne. Champagne. You come out of a shop. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> Only in Britain it's rich tea biscuits. <laughs> and a nice cup of tea. <laughs> Moving on. I believe okay. we just finished welcoming people to the virtual campfire. Yes. God, this episode's going to be about 80 hours long. It probably is. Lovely listeners, settle in. This one's going to be long. What were we wanting to talk about today? Well, we probably ought to do some introductions first. Old hands around the virtual campfire, you know where stuff is. Come on and settle in. New lovely people around the virtual campfire. Mm-hmm. Pull up a log, settle in, warm your knees. Grab a coffee, grab knees. a bun. Knees. Just do your thing and, yeah, settle in and listen to us ramble on a wee spot because that's probably what we're going to end up doing. We absolutely are. We totally are. don't go off on tangents. You've heard us doing that already. Yeah. If we get a bit too tangented, just prod us with a stick and we'll try and come back on point. Yeah. But... <laughs> we can't guarantee anything. We can go, yeep, yeah, anyway. like that. So, Who are you? Hello. Um, That's a really deep question and I haven't had enough coffee. I'm Suzanne Martin. I could be like Jack the Ripper to Delenn. Who are you? Oh, yeah, no, just let's let's pull it no, back. that is only lighter. your name. Who are you? And so on. Yes. Carry on. Thank you. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen. Hello, Suzanne. Hello. Uh, I'm Kate. Have I met you before? I'm 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 Kate. I'm your wife. Um, really? Yes. Is um, that what we did? Yeah. <laughs> I wondered why you were around the house so much. Well, you know, I just I I, I, I followed you home and you kept me. What can I say? Well, um, but, I'm rather uh, glad I did. Yes, I'm 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 Kate. <clears throat> I'm um, I'm not a heathen. I um I like to think of myself as heathen friendly. Uh, Pretty friendly. I, I am. I a... can vouch for this, fellow heathens. <laughs> Thank you. I am a sort of kind of Roman druid thing. Yeah. 
with a druid, a druid with with kind of Ro- Romano pagan leanings, not Romano, Romano British pagan leanings. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I'm it's, not a heathen. That's all I can say. It's complicated and it's okay. It's complicated and it's okay. Okay. So. Now we're all gathered around the virtual campfire. We've solved the vexing question of where the marshmallows went. Mm-hmm. You're all settled in and got comfy. I thought we'd have a bit of a chat in this episode about interfaith and how it relates to modern heathenry. Why you may or may not want to consider doing it. Uh-huh. What the benefits that we've found of we doing it. Us yeah. doing it. Yeah. And all of that kind of stuff. Maybe how to get started a little bit. Okay. All of that. So it's going to be a bit of a big one. All right. And all that jazz. Well, can I start with a, a question? question? Ah, no, you've never asked a question before. No? Well, first time for All right, maybe not in this episode, but <laughs> that's plenty of others. <laughs> I did ask a question. I said, what was the second line? You did! That... Did um, you ask me who I was? That's two questions. And the trouble is that means you've now got to leave some of the preamble in at the beginning <sighs> yeah. in order for that to make sense. Yes. Or you've got to take this whole bit out yeah. in order for it not to reference the preamble bit that you've also taken out. Yeah. Complicated, isn't it? Right, my question is... Okay. What does interfaith mean? Interfaith, to me, means opening dialogue with starting to try and understand commonalities with people from other faiths. Okay. Working together towards common goals. So for me personally, that means that the interfaith forum that you and I belong to, Mm -hmm. we work towards things that affect all the communities. So things like uh, we decided that we were going to support two charities a year as an interfaith forum. Yeah. And one of them last year was a, a hospice. Hmm. So it was a visit from a hospice and we visited the hospice to see the work that they did, to see that the faith work that they did for those of faith and no faith, yeah. those who were atheist, those who were humanist, were also represented in, in our forum. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we looked at looking at hospice care and what we as an interfaith group could do to help raise awareness within our own individual communities of the work that that hospice did. Hmm. So we found commonalities and I think that's probably the basis of my interfaith work is seeking out commonalities with people of other faiths. Yeah. If you look at the Scandinavian peoples of the 8th, 9th, 10th century they knew about people of other faiths. Most, yeah. they, the, the faith they most had interaction with was Christianity. Okay. But they also knew of people that they called the Muslimen that we would know as Muslims. Yeah. And they knew of some of their faith practices. So they were quite open to learning about other faiths or tolerating other faiths or going and trading with other faiths. Mm-hmm. They weren't insular to me, they weren't xenophobic, so I am trying to continue that tradition, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find, for me, commonalities between faiths and no faiths. So the common, the basic humanistic building blocks that every community shares. Yeah. And trying to recognise that I have that in common with Muslims, with Christians, with Sikhs, with Hindus, with atheists, with humanists. Yeah. And we can all actually, yes, we have differences between us and there might be points of doctrine that are quite rabid in some cases. <laughs> but it's it's a case of finding, recognising where they are yeah. and finding points of common ground. Yeah. So for me, interfaith work is, it's kind of part of who I am. Mm. It's saying to myself that I am secure enough in my own faith and I am confident in my own faith yeah. to go and do a presentation, to open up debate, to be, you know, on a panel when they say, what are your wedding customs? Mm. To be able to go in and listen and find parallels with other wedding customs from other faiths and 
be able to describe our own, to be able to recognise that those occasions are special. It doesn't matter what faith you are. Yeah. Those at the heart of it is people's connection to other people. Mm. So that for me is what my interfaith work has been about. Okay. You might find that you're doing interfaith work because you're in the military and you're working with a military chaplaincy that has more than one faith represented. Mm. You might find that you work in a, an educational establishment and you have members of different faiths available to provide counsel and guidance to students, to staff. And again, you might find them of different faiths. Yeah. And no faith. You might find atheists in mm. there, humanitarians in there, unitarians in there. Yeah. You know, Anglicans, even... Heathens, my gods! I know! Any number! <laughs> Heathens. You might find the odd heathen in there. Yeah, That'd be you know. Kind of funky too, you know. So it's essentially it's any it's any kind of deliberate, mutually informative interaction between religious groups. Yes. And as we said, we have we have sort of various branches from individual sort of overall faiths. Yeah. Um. So for example, we'll have uh, we have Roman Catholics represented. We have Methodists represented. Anglicans. Uh, we've got um yeah various uh, with the Church of England various uh, Anglican. Yeah. strands of Christianity and we even have valuable input uh, and, and quite often hosting from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. The, the, the Mormons as I believe they are no they, longer referred to. They're not referred to Mormons anymore. They but had a, they had a, That they might had just edict, be in the UK. It might be different in other parts of the world. Yeah. But when we go to their temple space and we have our meetings it might be like it was the other month where there's a heathen giving a talk on heathenry yeah. in a temple of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints to Christians, atheists and Muslims. Yeah. While we, and a druid. And a druid while we have fruit snacks yep. and no tea and no coffee and no alcohol. That's right, because they, they don't do stimulants. They don't do any kind of stimulants. So, mm. yeah, you go and... And go into one of their temple spaces and they have no stimulants, no tea, no coffee, no alcohol, presumably no nicotine. I'm assumed. So we have juice mm-hmm. or we have herbal teas or we have hot chocolate, which is also good. It's, it's very I'm nice. I'm all good for, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder and sharing hot chocolate and fruit snacks mm-hmm. and talking heathenry for a night to a bunch of Christians. It's the maddest thing, but it's brilliant. It is, it is. It's also interesting to watch these... I was going to say, watch the monotheists. Watch the... Keep an eye on the monotheists. <laughs> I was going to say... No, dear, but it, don't be nasty. We've met some lovely monotheists. We have. We have. <laughs> they perplex me, but yeah. not in a bad way. Um, they do, but they find our faiths equally as perplexing. Sure and we do. can just, I'm you know, sure be with each other in perplexity. Yeah. And, and that's the point. That's okay. It's, that's part of it. Is... They explain that. But it's quite interesting actually watching as the, because the, so, sometimes we sort of, we sort of go round the, round the table and, and people will, will give sort of accounts of their way of looking at things and way of doing things and so on. And it's quite interesting to watch, to, to look at the, the, the way the actual, the dynamics, work. the individual strands of, of, of monotheism, single work. faiths yes. uh, interact yeah. with each other. So, you know, you will get the Catholics say, well, we do a certain thing. Uh, and we do it because of this. And you've got the Church of England sitting next to them with a puzzled look. And they go, well, we don't do it like that. We've, you what know, are you we've... doing? <laughs> what I mean, do you do it that way for? I mean, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I'm, 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 sort of, I'm sort of playing that up a little bit. Obviously, those, those are two, two groups that, that, that know each other's doctrines pretty yeah. well. They, how can I put this? They have something of a history. They in, do. In, in the British Isles. <laughs> somewhat of a good-natured bantering goes Europe, on yeah yeah but if you think you don't do interfaith work if you as a heathen have ever been to a pagan moot you do interfaith yeah because if you sit down at a pagan moot unless you know for a fact everybody else in that room is heathen at which point you're probably a heathen moot not a pagan one <laughs> you're more likely to find that everybody around that room has their own individual path hmm. and it might be that you're kind of comfy with the idea of going to a pagan moot but you're not kind of comfy with sitting down with a big bunch of Catholics. Yeah. And I get that because sometimes, yeah, when we started with our interfaith forum, we were all a little bit reluctant and a little bit wary of where the other people were. Mm. And it takes 
time to build those trusting relationships. Yeah. But I think for me, they're worth building, especially as a heathen. Because okay. my community isn't just people of my faith. <clears throat> mm. I'm not married to a heathen. This is true. We are an interfaith marriage. We are an interfaith marriage. It makes discussions in our house interesting on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. <clears throat> I suppose the advantage for us is that because we are both polytheists of a sort, there are, there are certain commonalities in any case. There are. I have had conversations with um, friends who are monotheistic. Which is, let's, let's face it, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like they're not the, the, the vast majority of people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I fully accept that we are the, the kind of the odd ones out, you know. Yeah, it can feel a bit like that. It can feel a bit exposed sometimes. It can. I mean, we, yeah. we tend to associate with a lot of other pagans, so um, of various stripes. So we're, we're kind of used to that community. But, of course, the nation as a whole, the, the, the UK as a whole, is, is predominantly cult culturally, Christian. at least, yeah. historically pretty well-established Christian. So we have state holidays for Christian festivals. <clears throat> we do. Just means that I take a day off at Yule and I get extra days off. It's great. It's nice, isn't for, it? For, like, no reason whatsoever. I can just kick back for, like, three days. It's fantastic. <laughs> but um, it is... It, it does always interest me when I, when, I, when I talk about religion to people within monotheistic faiths. And I see some of the conflicts, is that fair to say? Some, not between the religions, but some of the conflicts that you have to reconcile within a single religion oh because of the theology that... of evil for a monotheist <clears throat> the problem of evil the yeah. big one yeah yes but i mean briefly <clears throat> the the idea that from a point of view of a the sort of conventional christian view of god mm. and i say christian i don't want to speak for muslims and jews because i don't know enough but i was brought up in a largely christian culture a christian community so i, th I think i can speak reasonably reasonably fairly clearly yeah, yeah. And the, and so the problem of evil being the idea that the conventional view of the christian god is that he is omnipresent so he exists in all places at the same time he is it's got to play havoc on your heating bill indeed omniscient so he knows everything he is omnibenevolent so he is always good. He is always kind. See, there's he where is my difficulty is. Merciful. Yeah, and right there. He is omnipotent. So he is all powerful. He can do anything. And the problem of evil is that given all those four conditions as attributes of God, why and how does evil exist? And people yeah. will say things like people say, oh, well, because God's actually evil. Yeah, but that no. negates one of the conditions. <clears throat> yeah. God is omnibenevolent. We accept that. And this is the sort of thing that you, when you're a monotheist, you have to kind of work through. And, and obviously Christianity has a very long, very rich history of theological reflection and analysis. Oh, boy, and, does it ever. You know, to try but and work out this It's kind of good, problem. but it's complicated. Yeah. And maybe as a heathen now, maybe you didn't start out as a heathen. Mm. Maybe you didn't have good experiences with a church or with a Christian community and you found your way to the Norse gods mm. and they feel comfortable. They they feel right. They That's they good. resonate with your entire way of looking at the world is that way. Yeah. And maybe when you first went to church it was because other members of your family went to church. Maybe you went to church because it was expected and your entire community went to church, yeah, so yeah. therefore you went to church. Maybe you were raised with religious or faith leader as a parent, and so therefore that was the, the theology that was talked about every day that you saw in practice, but maybe that theology didn't quite fit. No. Maybe it, it wasn't quite where you were at, and that's okay. And equally, it's okay if you start out in a heathen household and you end up walking into a church and go, oh. Yeah. Because for me, part of interfaith work has been recognising that people's paths change. The path that you're on right now, where you are at this point in your spiritual development, connection, your ways of deepening that relationship with the divine might not be where you started. Mm. Definitely won't be where you end. Like as not, it will, it will mean, change, people... it will develop, it will evolve between now and the future. Some people maintain, broadly maintain <clears throat> the same religion throughout their lives. Yeah. <clears throat> I use the word religion advisedly. I know it's a, 
Uh, it's a, a word that's open to interpretation and it has connotations for different people and so on. But I'm going to use it just simply because it's... Yeah, faith or it's, belief. It's the most or, practical. I mean, I mean yeah. the structural, yes. you know, the actual structural Religion. activity of faith, if you yeah. see what I mean. But I think, uh, you know, there are people who will maintain the same faith, the same religion throughout their lives. Mm. It will evolve, of course, their understanding of it will evolve and hopefully improve and become more rewarding for them over time and so on. But, mm. you know. A deepening understanding is what I'm trying to aim for in my own practice. Yeah. And if I can help folks along the way, so much the better. Whether they be Jewish, whether they be Muslim, whether they be Christian, whether they be atheist, humanist, Buddhist, Sikh, Baha'i, doesn't matter. They are all on their path, and I'm on mine. It doesn't necessarily say we have to walk those paths alone. No, we can walk next to each other, help each other out a little bit. But for okay. me, the value of interfaith work to me, teaches me about my own faith. That's probably come out a little bit confusing. In the simplest way I can, if I'm, if I read my faith and I understand my faith in my own head, that's one stage. Mm. If I then have to explain that logic, what seems to me like internal logic, it is that way because it is, it's clear to me that that's, that is it. Yeah. If I sit there and explain that to somebody else, that's a whole different level of understanding. And for me, I started learning when I began teaching. Mm. And up to that point, I knew. Yeah. And then I started helping others to understand it. That helped me understand it a whole lot more. As is often the case. But... So, yeah, so learning that other faiths have things in common with mine. It does raise one question, uh, which I might ask... If I take the role of devil's advocate. Do, do the thing, yes. Devil's, I take the role, the role of devil's advocate. Who are you carrying all those bricks for anyway? God! Sorry. God is an absentee landlord? <laughs> He's an absentee landlord! Worship that? Never! Sorry, I was are just you... taking the role of devil's advocate. <sighs> it's a good film. Have you just found all the room in the bottom of your coffee? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the question I was actually going to ask before I was possessed... By the spirit of Al Pacino. Was, um... Just, are you all right? Do you need a, just a lie down for a bit? Are you quite okay? I'll be fine. Okay. I'll be fine. As long just as, checking. As long as Keanu stays out of the room for the moment, we're fine. Really? You've got Keanu Reeves and you're leaving him outside the room? If I want to concentrate on the podcast, yes. Okay, fine. But I hear he's actually genuinely a nice he, dude. The, you, I, know? you know, I hear this. I hear that I, he's actually kind of, you know, just kind of chill. I hear reports from people every, every report I've ever heard from anybody who's met the guy they have been falling over themselves he is just the nicest guy <laughs> you know there's absolutely no sort of it, it sounds to me honestly I was reading a thing the other day and it was somebody was describing a, having had a, a meeting with him and he genuinely comes across like like bloody Marcus Aurelius or something he's just kind he's of like chill. a modern day stoic yeah just kind of chilling out yeah. doing his thing Anyway, yes, your question. Yes, my question was this. Um, Is interfaith then a conduit for proselytisation? It can be. Are we using it? It doesn't have to be. Are we using it to try to persuade? You see, I would say that some people do use it to try and persuade. I keep that in mind. And we have a a set of ground rules in the forum, which I think if you're going to set up any kind of interfaith dialogue, Mm -hmm. set up a set of ground rules at the start. Yeah. And we have one in our forum that says, don't proselytise. Mm -hmm. Accept that everybody, each person sat next to you has a completely different way of looking at it. Yeah. And you are not going to convince them otherwise. <laughs> they are there because they are of a specific faith, wanting to work with people of other faiths. Yeah. I think... To do things for the common good. To do things. And I know some faiths have a charge of proselytization. Mm. They are trying to do the best they can with that command, with yeah. that charge, with that instruction. That is what they have to do with it. I think, I mean, at the risk of going off a little bit, but we are, we are, I think we are exploring these things a little bit in this, mm. this particular, this episode. So I have never had a problem with people, 
if I use the word evangelizing. Yeah. I've never had a particular issue with people trying to spread the word. Forced conversion, very different bag of ferrets. Yeah, a whole it's different bag of ferrets. different thing. I'm good with spirited discussion, and even when people get a bit passionate, yeah. I'm all good with that, because passion is where my faith is based. It might be a very quiet passion, Yeah. but my faith is like a fire on the inside. Okay. And it consumes me and fuels me and warms me and lights up through me every single day. I envy you. <laughs> I always got toasty feet, it's great. Oh, this is good. <laughs> and you need and well need. But so I think passion is essential with a faith. But I have to recognise that my passion has civilized borders, thank you very much. I think there's there's a fundamental difference between there's there's a, there are considerations that have to have to be made I think for what I'll term Abrahamic religions the religions of Abraham so because Christianity in particular and and Islam to an extent but as I say I'm not I wouldn't claim to be a, a great expert on that so I don't want to be speaking too much for, for for Islam but certainly Christianity has the concept various concepts of hell. Be it torture, different or be kind it of hell, lovely heathens. Be it different yeah, kind yeah. of hell. Two L's. <clears throat> um, two L with you as well. No, 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 no. Um, but they have concepts of uh, judgment. They have concepts of um, sin, sin, guilt, original sin. Um, yeah. They have ideas of punishment and reward, that kind of thing. Now, whether or not you agree with any of that theology is. Mm. I'm going to put that aside because obviously we we don't. Otherwise, we would be Christians. Yeah, we don't. I mean, some <clears throat> heathens may have come from that background and still yes. hold to those unconsciously to that structure when they come to heathenism. Well, perhaps and so. have to kind of spend a period of adjustment of recognizing where those ideas come from. Yeah, and, that, and that's absolutely true. And I'm, I'm and I'm not actually trying to. You know, just to clarify, I'm not actually trying to sort of dismiss those ideas. I'm not trying to, um, mm. uh, you know, belittle those ideas. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm putting them aside, you know, in terms of the theology of it. I'll speak for me then. I'll say I personally do not believe in a, a heaven and hell based on my behaviour. I mean, mm. Roman mythology <laughs> has these concepts. I mean, we have we have Tartarus where the, the, the Titans are being held. Uh, having lost the, the the big battle with the gods, I mean, even the Kemetics have got a concept <clears throat> of judgment. Yes, yeah, they have. We have various places within the underworld where you you will go depending on your your performance, in your life, level your, of naughtiness, your, your behaviour in life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm shooting for the Asphodel Meadows because that's where the nondescript people go, and I think I might just be able to manage that. <laughs> All good, you know, just chilling, chilling back <clears throat> in the nice, nice, nice enough place, yeah. you know. I think. When you consider the, that they have this theology, they have this these concepts as part of their faith, it becomes rational within that framework that they preach. Yes. They have to try to spread the word because they are trying to save you. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of negative connotation around that, and it becomes it becomes very much a kind of a a, a thing that you know people will often bash Christians for and say, well, you know, you you go around the place trying to trying to convert everybody. If they are sincere in their faith. Yeah, and that's a whole extra discussion. That's the whole thing. Yeah. But I'm going to assume sincerity. These are not. Okay. I'm going to assume these are not people who are just trying to control you. They are not trying people who are trying to, you know, ostracize a, a particular community or or, yeah. or or anything or exert power or anything like that. I'm talking about sincere Christian believers who genuinely think that if you don't follow, if you don't accept Christ, you will go to hell. I would consider it absolutely rational of them to come to me and try to convert me or try to persuade me to follow their path because they are concerned for my soul. And I'm actually grateful Yeah, that I mean, they are, you know... I, I can, I, I've read <clears throat> bits of the Bible. Mm -hmm. I've not read the whole thing cover to cover because it's kind of big. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of get on with the whole servant king, Jesus thing. Yeah. He's basically a rebellious anarchist who comes into a society tries to shake the whole damn thing up with his one entire commandment of just kind of be excellent to each other. Yeah. And I'm all good with Dudes. that. Dudes. Dudes, <laughs> be excellent to each other. Yeah. And that kind of generated a bit of a bad reaction. Mm. Didn't go down very well. Yeah. 
but I'm kind of with his whole kind of commandment. People don't like being told to be nice no. to each other. <laughs> but I'm kind of with his his understanding of, you know, just chill and be excellent to each other. And I quite like that. And I mean, obviously anybody we're... who's come from a Christian background will probably recognise that in some shape or form. Yeah. We're obviously we're obviously going going by what has come down to us in the modern day. Yes. I mean, obviously there was a whole socio-political context going on in Galilee and, and Judea the, at that time. Yeah, whole which, Roman kind of thing going on. Which I don't pretend to have access to. No. And, you know, I can't fully assess what Jesus was trying to do. No. Um, I, I per- by, by the way, for the record, I personally do believe he was a historically real figure. That's, that is something yeah, I, see, that's I, a whole... Uh, lovely listeners, this discussion may take several parts at this stage, but we're going to try and pull it back onto track and... Yeah. Well managed. Interfaith work. Yeah. So coming back to interfaith work, mm-hmm. if you're thinking these monotheistic religions, I can't find any kind of connection with them. There's no recognition of shared connection between me and these people or they're a little bit too passionate for my liking. Yeah. And I haven't quite found my footing and my confidence in being able to go in and go, hey, shall we sit down and have a cup and a cake? And let's talk theology for an afternoon because that's kind of a big step sometimes. Mm -hmm. As heathens, we have the nine noble virtues. And there are a couple of slightly different versions. And yes, they're quite a modern invention coming from the Havamal. A lot of heathens know those nine aspects, those nine words. And they form quite a basis of action, if you like. They help me make decisions and I keep them in my mind. Mm. So if you think about some of those virtues, you've got things like honour in there, you've got perseverance in there, you've got industrious in there. Yeah. You've got hospitality in there. Mm. The Sikhs taught me about hospitality. Okay. When they have a service in their gurdwara, they will serve food afterwards to mm-hmm. anybody who arrives. Any stranger at their door, they will feed yeah. every week. They will not necessarily... They, they generally have a rule that says the simpler the dish that you make to bring to the gurdwara, the temple, the better. Okay. They don't look at making ostentatious food that, no. you know, as a way to outdo each other. They're trying to serve their community by providing hospitality. Yeah. You look at the aspect of discipline... Muslims teach me about discipline. Mm. They pray five times a day. Yes. At specific set times times every day. All day, every day, no breaks. Yep. They teach me about what discipline is. Discipline in faith Mm. is. They keep their faith in the forefront of their mind all the time. And yes, faiths, all faiths have extremists. Yeah. And the extremists tend to have a louder voice than everybody else who's just getting on and doing. Absolutely. So I might say, if you're thinking about interfaith work, find people who are getting on and doing. Yeah. Don't find the loud ones. Don't find the ones that are shouting about it. Yeah, don't find the ones that are shouting about it. Find the ones that are just getting on and doing. Yeah. And, With... it's, and, and it's fair, to, it's fair to, to, to raise that, I think, because, I mean, we can't hide from the fact that there is a a certain zeitgeist at the moment with regard to specific faiths. There is. Um, which I think is very unfortunate. And it is very easy to fall into, especially when you're, you, you, you're um, immersed in the, the media culture that we have at the moment, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, of looking at the most extreme people. And it, it isn't just... Because you know, they're I mean, the ones that make the news. Because they're the ones that make the news, they're the ones that make the news. Not noise. everybody else. But it is fair to say that, as you as you put it, every every faith has its extremists. Yes. Even ours. Yeah. Um, you know, Edenry certainly has very loud extremists. Yeah. I can't specifically point to examples of extremist druids, but as part of the greater heathen, greater pagan umbrella, there are. Yeah. Extremist pagans. There are extremist pagans, and whether that's whether that's you know to the same scale. But I mean, if you watch pagans debating things, yeah, or you find animal rights activists or yeah. eco terrorists yeah. who are camping have, out have in have trees strand, yeah. that are trying to stop roads being built, mm-hmm. 
you may find you've got people of pagan faiths going to extreme lengths to demonstrate that faith. Mm. So from Muslims, they embody discipline. Yeah. They are praying five times a day, no exceptions. Mm. No squidging it back half an hour because I need the time to go and do something else. Yeah. They are at that time, all of them, every day. Following the proper rituals. Following the, the, the pre prayer rituals yep. following the prayer words that they say at that time every day constantly mm -hmm. they also have their month of fasting yeah that is discipline yes that is a phenomenal amount of of monthly discipline beyond me i fear most mosques during that month of ramadan that holy month of discipline they will open their doors up in the evening and people can go and share their evening meal with them and the community will get together mm -hmm. in an evening. At the moment in Britain, it's about half past nine at night, which yeah. is the first time they get to eat from like 4 a.m. to half past nine at night. And Ouch. as an interfaith group, we were invited to Iftar at our mosque. Mm -hmm. So you and I went. Yeah, I remember. And I think what surprised me most was probably the fact that all the Muslims got their phones out to check the time <laughs> to make sure they were to the minute yep. able to start the first prayers of the evening and then have a ritual date, a ritual break, like a small piece of food before they did their main prayers, before they were allowed to sit down and eat their full meal. Our, uh, our friend who's, um, who's a representative on the, on, the, on the interfaith panel, standing at the... Standing at the front, in front, in front of everybody, watch, just yeah. watching the second hand on his watch, or yes. watching the second display on his watch. Yeah, just going right. Any second now, <laughs> right? And we're in. There you go. And we're yeah. Now we can eat, and that, to me, embodied, embodied discipline. Yeah. But I think it's important. I mean, it's important to say when we're when we're saying, um, oh, Sikhs do this, Muslims do that. It's it is very important to bear in mind that these are not a uh, homogenous group. Yeah. Yeah, these are not a monolithic. They're not. They have as much variety in them as, as heathens and pagans yeah. do. Um, but what we're saying is that it, it, it is part of certainly the, the 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 kind of the predominant strand of Islam here and the predominant strand of Sikhism here. Um, we are we are describing the practices that they do in yes. their communities rather than. Uh, all Muslims are this, or all Sikhs are yeah. that, which yeah, yeah. can We're, lead you down some fairly dangerous roads. It can. So we're describing kind of the local conditions that we have here. Yeah. I think the most surprising thing for me, sharing iftar with a whole, like, I don't know, 50, 60 Muslims all sat on the floor around a huge big tablecloth that had been spread out and mm. put food down the middle, was the variety of people. Yeah, People were talking Arabic they were from Syria, from Pakistan, from the town that we're from. Yeah. From like three or four miles out, they were people who'd come huge distances and they were all sat shoulder to shoulder with us, mm. giving us the best of their food because we were their guests. And that... And that Kashmiri tea, which was lovely. Oh, I don't... I, I know do I'm British, but I don't do tea. I don't do tea. And, tea. But they gave us mugs of Kashmiri tea afterwards, and I it got was coconuts in it. It was really, really nice, and I really need to find out what they put in <laughs> it because it was so, so good. But I think all faiths have—they can have negative points to them. They can have points of difference, and what I've found working with the Interfaith Forum is that I've we found points of commonality and had that as safe ground before we started looking at the points of difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To know that you had a safe ground to retreat to because you knew that everybody agreed on a certain thing. Yep. That. It enables, it puts you in a better, better position to, to sort of venture out and explore the thing, the places that we might not see eye to eye. Yes, the, the places where we have difference or the places where we don't quite understand mm. a practice or an, uh, a way of thinking. Oh, and it also gave me the confidence to go, so what's all that about then? Yeah. What, what was, all right, I've seen bits of that, but I don't get what that is. So talk to me about that. I'm going to invoke Al Pacino again. 
Okay. Do more devil's advocating. Please do. Kevin. And I'm going to ask, we have got together in our group. Yeah. We've talked to members of these other faiths. Yeah. Whatever they be, whether they be other pagan faiths or heathen faiths or, or um, you know, monotheists or whatever. Uh, we've got through. We're, we're, we're learning our commonalities. Mm-hmm. Right? Groovy. Uh, and we're finding out about our differences. Also groovy, learning to understand different points of view. Yeah, yeah. Why? What's the point of doing it? When, before you answer. Okay. A person will hold a religion because they believe it is the right perspective. Yes. They believe that that faith or that religious belief or that philosophy, if you want to, if you want to broaden it out even further. Yeah, yeah. But that philosophy describes for them the way the world works. Yes. By the world, I mean the whole, the whole shebang, the whole yeah. of creation, whatever you want to call it. The whole of it. This, so, yeah, this is the bit that resonates. This is the way of thinking that resonates with your brain. Yeah. This is the bit that lights the fire on the inside of you and burns and consumes and heats and passion and all of Yeah, that. Yeah. So all of that is describing for you the way the world works. Yes. You are right because it is your faith. So by definition, you consider yourself to be right. Now, yes. before you... Okay. You leave because I know what you're gonna. Say. I know what you're yeah, gonna say. Okay. Yeah. Fine. You know me. Yeah. Well. All right. Fine. You know me. Some people will have a, 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 a looser interpretation of right than others, and some people will will not necessarily have pinned too much on their faith uh, manifesting itself in exactly the way they expect. For, no. exa- for example, I. I mean, we talked brief briefly about the after- afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Earlier on, I know what the I know what the the mythology says. I know about Erebus. I know about Caron Zobal, I know about the crossing the sticks into the underworld, and I know the various layers of or domains in within yeah, Hades. Yeah. And so all of that is is part of the mythology, and I accept it. And if somebody says to me, you know, oh, what what do you want doing when you die or whatever, you give me the coin and and all that. Do I actually believe it? I don't invest myself enough in it to necessarily. I'm not that. That's not your absolute concern yeah, right now. I'm yeah, not, I'm not that sort of uh, pinned to the idea of it's absolutely got to be real and I won't brook any argument. Yeah. Other people don't might see it a bit more like that. Well, if I don't do such a thing, I'm going to go to hell and I'm, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to... Do a thing. Now, broadly, if people think their religion is the real one... Yes. Why should they reach out to the other ones? What do they gain? From doing it. I think what I gain from my interfaith work is I gain a new perspective, mm. not only on my own faith, but on me. Okay. Who am I as a person? And I gain knowledge. This is all good. The All Father says, go out and get some. Yeah. Go forth and do the, the one with the homework. Guzzle that knowledge. Guzzle that knowledge. You know, second helpings. Get it down you. <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some more? Yes, small child, you may have some more. So, for me, it's knowledge. If I look at it from a Scandinavian 8th, 9th, 10th century person, you're going to go trade with these people. Yeah. You've got to understand them first. You've got to at least understand that if they consider a day holy and sacred, they're going to be off doing things. That's not a good day to rock up at the market with all your stuff. Might be a good day to... No, never mind. Yeah, I know. Good day to do the other thing. (laughs) Yes, I am right with you. You know, just take advantage of what you got. But for me, looking at different faiths, looking at meeting people, I am connected to all of these people. Mm. My thread is interwoven with everybody I meet in a day. They are not all going to be heathen. No. And if I meet a Christian... I can say to them, Happy Easter. I can say to them, Merry Christmas. And I know what that means to them. Yeah. I can say to a Muslim, Ramadan Mubarak. Mm-hmm. Have a beautiful, joyous, peaceful Ramadan. Mm. And know what that means to them. I suppose in, a, I suppose in, in essence, it, there are two layers to the answer. Why would we do interfaith work? Why does it matter? Yes. 
And one layer is the, the broader one, which speaks to improving relationships between people. Yes. And making life just generally better. Yes. I think it's fair to say, obviously, I appreciate that, 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 that the Norse culture, uh, the heathen faith is rooted in the Norse culture, and the Norse culture had a fairly forthright attitude towards conflict. I appreciate that. It, in some aspects, yes. But in other but, aspects, they traded. They traded with Christians, yeah. they traded with monks. Some of them got baptised and converted to Christianity. It was not necessarily you the know, case. It's, it's a bit of a mishmash in Northern Europe, actually. Yeah, it's kind of, of a mix. And it wasn't necessarily the case that they relished constant war. No. So if you are doing interfaith work, or I suppose any intercommunity work, really, you are, you're improving understanding between people, you are increasing the opportunities for peaceful interactions. Yes. At a more directly personal level, you are, you're kind of smoothing your own path. Yeah. You say, you know, you don't meet that many heathens in your everyday life neither no. do i i don't meet many many druids of other pagans uh, in my everyday life but we have to work with people who are of different faiths, faiths of different beliefs or yeah. no faith we have to we have to work as colleagues with them we have to we we have to maintain friendships with them we, we have, have them maintain... in our families yeah yeah you might have monotheistic parents yeah strongly monotheistic household mm. and you're a heathen mm. how do you find common footing in that relationship how do you still communicate as people as yeah. family and you I learn about them they learn, about, they learn you. about you hopefully in a mutually beneficial way <laughs> <laughs> but yes it might be that it's a way it, it looking at interfaith work is a way for me to value the people around me yeah it's a way for me to appreciate the things that they go through in their faith I remember a little while ago now, I'd just come out as pagan to my manager at the time, mm -hmm. as heathen to my manager at the time. Yeah. She had not taken this in the best way that she could have <laughs> taken it and promptly went to my colleague who was working in another office who was from the Salvation Army and warned her that I was a heathen pagan mm -hmm. and that they'd have to, she'd have to watch what she said to me. And <laughs> God, can you imagine? I, yeah. Because well, you don't have to imagine you were there. I was there. Um, but my manager didn't tell me that she'd disclosed my faith to my colleague mm. in this other office. Bit of a... So, of course, when I went down to that office and bit kind of... A, of you bit know, of an actual crime there, I believe. Bit of, a, bit of a kind of a harsh thing. So I went down to that office, mm. you know, Wandered in through the door, put my bag down on the desk, settled in, went, anybody want a brew? And the entire office kind of went a wee bit quiet. Okay. And I was like, okay, what have I walked into? Heathen coffee. Heathen coffee. She's going to do something horrible to the teaspoons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to put something in the sugar and we're all <laughs> going to be hallucinating all afternoon. It's not going to be good. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> if I had that, I wouldn't be putting it in your coffee. And how we kind of worked around that was we gradually, both of us realised what our collective manager had done mm -hmm. in the the best way that she thought was possible. Was she thought warning. she was trying to smooth the... She was trying to smooth the water and what she ended up doing was building a wall. Yeah. Which myself and this other person had to spend nearly a week of very cautious dialogue taking down. Yeah. So, yes, it was done with the best of intent, but what it actually did was made it worse. Yeah. So we had to kind also, of... Also, I'm still fairly sure that was a criminal offence. <laughs> I don't know. That's but... because religion is a protected characteristic under the Equalities Act. It is, And yeah. if you, you can't disclose those without Without consent. somebody's permission, but, yeah, no, she did. But she thought she was doing a good thing. Yeah. And to be fair, it's not the worst reaction I've had when I've been disclosing my faith to people who are not of my faith. Yeah. So, yes, there are some extreme reactions that will happen. And you lovely listeners have probably experienced some of these. Mm -hmm. You may have experienced them with people, of friends, of colleagues. You may have had to have moved jobs because of them. You may now find that relationships with certain members of your family are very strained. Yeah. Because they make assumptions about what your faith is and okay. is not. And may not be ready to open dialogue. Mm -hmm. 
So I think for me, why do it is because I don't live an exclusively heathen world. No. And even if I did, I wouldn't get on with every heathen out there. No, absolutely. You'd still need to do some uh, some inter-heathen inter work. Inter-heathen work. So Intra-faith. Intra-faith, yeah. So I think for me, why do it is because it helps me be aware of the diversity that is available in this world. Yeah. There are thousands of people whose faith I do not have a clue about what it is, how it works, mm. and I'm curious. Yeah. And I'm confident enough in being able to sit back and go, oh, that's what your faith does. This is how my faith approaches it. Mm. Or as we did the other night at the Interfaith Forum, being held in a Unitarian chapel, yeah. we took orange biscuits that we'd baked for our solstice celebrations we took them a batch of those orange biscuits and we said we've just had our solstice we'd like to share these biscuits with all of those members of the interfaith forum in a unitarian chapel so we're sat in a unitarian chapel drinking tea learning about the chapel and the history of the unitarian sect of faith eating solstice biscuits, sat next to a Muslim, a humanist, an Anglican, a Christian and a Unitarian. So what does interfaith do for us? It loses us biscuits, is what it does for us. <laughs> it does, <laughs> but in a good way it does. We give up biscuits, but we gain an awful lot in return. We gain, yes. And I think for me it's that gaining of knowledge, that understanding of people that helps me be more aware when I'm going about my daily business in the world of what people's holy days might be mm. when they might need you know time to go and do religious celebration faith celebration or yeah. they just might need to take two days off and go and retreat from the world and just chill for a bit i get that it's not to do with religion i know i know so <laughs> for me the way i look at my own heathenism is doing interfaith work is a bonus for me mm. It's a benefit in the people that I get to meet, in the things I get to experience. Before I was in the Interfaith Forum, I'd never been inside a mosque. No. I've now been inside a mosque. I've listened to prayers in Arabic and had them translated into English because I need them translated into English. I know, but doesn't it sound fantastic? It really does. It sounds just beautiful. Mm. And being able to sit shoulder to shoulder at iftar, at the evening meal, where they're breaking their fast. Yeah. And everybody just getting together and eating. And they just keep sticking massive bowls of stuff under your nose and going, have some of this. Yes, because you're their guest. I don't and know they what it is. Treat Doesn't you, matter. <laughs> they treat you with the utmost respect and hospitality. They, I should say they always... they, they we're always, at pains always to make sure that to. we knew exactly what we were eating. So. Yes, also good. Um, but, but there was just such a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff. And they did that every night for a month. Mm. And their hospitality was utterly superb. Absolutely. They taught me about what discipline means. Yeah. To be able to do that every year. Yeah. To take that voluntarily take that spiritual challenge every year was just incredible so it's fair to say that uh, it helps increase your understanding of other people which increases your ability to interact effectively and confidently peacefully yeah it also increases your understanding of yourself yeah because it, it helps betters... me know what values they hold and why they hold them yeah and it increases your understanding of yourself because it it, it better pins down your perspective in relation to yeah. other people's. So I have now, not when I started, but I have now a confidence in my faith that I can go and sit with Christian vicars, with mm. priests, with preachers, and go, all right, let's talk theology. Yeah. Let's sit and thrash this sucker out. I'll buy the coffee and cake. <laughs> let's sit and do this. And I think that over the last few years especially has been invaluable to me. Yeah. To be able to get together with people of faith on and no faith, of like mind that said we are, you know, that say we are here to help society 
be better, local society be better. Mm. We are here to make donations to a hospice. We are here to do a litter pick. Yeah. We are here to go into schools as an interfaith forum and show them that it's possible to stand shoulder to shoulder with a Christian, mm. with a Muslim, with a Buddhist, with a pagan, with a heathen. With an atheist. With an atheist. And have all of those points of view explained mm. to children or young people who may have only seen Muslims on the news mm. and never seen, been able to talk to one in real life and never seen a heathen before at all. Yeah. So for me, it's invaluable. Mm. And I'm not saying it's the responsibility of every single modern heathen or all of you lovely listeners around the virtual campfire. But for me, doing interfaith work is valuable to my perspective. We're certainly not saying you have to go out and do it. We're no. saying it's, it, it can be a very enriching experience if you choose, if, if, if it's the sort of thing that inspires you. If it's your thing. Don't be afraid to... Find a way to do it. You know, look into yeah. it. Uh, it's not a mandatory thing because we can't tell you how to heal. We can't tell you how to heal. We, we can't tell you how to heal. We can't tell you how to Christian. We can't, we can't tell you how tell to you Muslim. How to Jew. We can't <laughs> tell you how to do any of that stuff. But we can maybe give our perspective on things. Yeah. For me, interfaith work is something I have a deep passion for. It helps me understand people. I like people. I will never understand people, but it it it. Probably gets me a little bit closer than I would otherwise have been. Also good. Yeah. <laughs> so, lovely listeners, we're going to leave you sat around the virtual campfire on pondering the webs of threads and the interfaith weave that may be going in and out of your life that you may not have actually kind of considered before. And the marshmallows. Which Kate has definitely not eaten all of. I absolutely have not. Okay. There's marshmallows somewhere around. You might have to kind of fish for them a little bit, but they're in there somewhere. So, lovely listeners, we're going to leave you sat around the virtual campfire. Mm -hmm. We will see you back around the virtual campfire for episode 63. Now, 63, you might have gathered, is divisible by nine, which means it's story time. Yay! So, we have a fairly... Yay! Fairly mad story time telling in mind. We just need to see if we can actually pull it off in the recordings. I was going to say, you're bigging it up now. We haven't written it yet. I know, we haven't written it yet. <laughs> we haven't quite got around to planning this one out, but we are kind of planning it. If we can pull it off... We've got big ideas. We have. We've got huge, big, ungainly ideas. We have. That might not go in the direction we want them to. We might not. Whole holographic elephant in the campfire room <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, if we can make it work... It's going to be kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. How can the dear listeners contact you if they should so wish? So if you would like to find me online, you can find me on Facebook at Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. Come and say hi. Come and say hello. Throw us a friend request. Throw us a question. I'll do my best. You can have what's left of my brain cells. <laughs> you're very welcome to them they are all coffee powered at the moment but I cannot guarantee if you listen to this way into the future that I will not have had any coffee okay um, Kate where can the lovely listeners find you yeah well should should they for some reason have nothing better to do with their time um, they can find me uh, on Facebook and Twitter at, as Kate Coldwind I am giving both of those up first thing tomorrow like I have been every day for the last X number of years <laughs> But for the moment, I'm still on both of them. And uh, you can also find my shabby website at glassrain.net. Anyway, yeah, so uh, pop round. Uh, say hi to me too, if you feel like it. Yeah, so lovely listeners, we're going to leave you sat around the virtual campfire. We will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>